Hi and welcome to the We Are Zion Sermon Podcast. We are a local church based here in Chennai, India. We are so glad you are with us and hope that this will encourage, inspire and instill fresh faith in you. As we are in the season of Lent, we are doing a new series called Come Alive with Jesus. Many of us may feel like we are sleepwalking through life and not feeling fully alive. Through this series, we hope that you will discover that in close proximity with the Savior, you will fully come alive. We have Jaren Nicholas share the word with us today on how we can come alive to the mystery. While every Christian has the great privilege of knowing God through his son Jesus, there are still many things that remain unknown to us, and it is here that we need to accept the blessing and beauty of the mystery of God. and his purposes for the world as we know it. Hello everyone. As always, it is so good to be back with all of you. Um we are continuing on our series of Come Alive with Jesus and we're focusing on different themes uh, for each week. So today our theme is Come Alive to the Mystery. I'm looking forward to sharing uh, what I have really discovered as I've been going through the scripture for this uh for today which it will be Ephesians chapter 3 and I think I'm really excited to share what I have um so I'm going to say a good quick word of prayer and then we'll get into it Heavenly Father we thank you so much for bringing us together in this community here at We Are Zion Lord we thank you that the thing that binds us together is our faith in you it is the fact that uh, you are our king lord and that we have put our faith in you and that is the one thing that brings us together that is the one thing that uh, we find our identity in lord and that is the thing that unites us and uh, keeps us united lord father we as always we remember the people that are not able to gather in the safety and the comfort that we are able to gather Father, I know that uh, they yearn to gather as your church, Lord. That they yearn to gather together with the other believers, Lord. But they may not be able to. So, Father, we ask that you would be their comfort, that you would be their refuge, that you would be their fortress, Lord, and that you would work all things out so that they can gather in your name soon, Lord. That you would work all things out, that they are safe and that they are protected. that even in these difficult situations that uh, you would work things out that your gospel is still proclaimed lord so father we remember them and we ask that uh, you would be with them we know you are that they would know that you are with them lord so father we ask that whatever is spoken today that you would give me the words lord that it is not i that has going to speak any words of eloquence or anything like that lord but uh, it is you that has given a word and we want to hear from you i want to hear from you lord so speak to us today let the words you have uh, penetrate deep into our hearts lord and uh, let us contemplate it and let us allow it to change us lord to be more like you in the name of your son jesus we pray amen Again, so we're in the middle of a series called "Come Alive," and the theme for today is uh, "Come Alive to the Mystery." And um, the 
scripture uh, passage we're going to be looking at is all of uh, Ephesians chapter 3. Uh, we'll highlight a few verses uh, as we go through it, but that's the passage we'll be reading uh, as we go through it. A couple of things to keep in mind. I, I might use the phrase um, that is a new way to be human. Um, it is uh, something that if you remember back to the message on Colossians, um, we use that phrase new way to be human a lot. Uh, it's alluding to this idea of uh, putting off our old self and putting on the new uh, when we come into the family of God, when we accept Christ. So it this new way to be human is none other than this new life that we're living in light of the gospel, this new changed life that we are living in light of the gospel. Christ, when he died and resurrected, he was the firstborn of this new humanity that we could say. It is, and in light of the gospel, we now know how to truly be human. So that is the idea. Anytime you hear me say new way to be human, that's the idea uh, here. And also to be upfront, as I was uh, reading and researching and listening um, to things as I was prepping for this message, I listened to a sermon on Ephesians chapter 3 by a person called Tim Mackey, and I heavily borrowed from it because I think um, the things he shared really impressed on me, and I think it is something that is for us, and I think it kind of um, flows well with this emphasis that we've been placing on the gospel as we've been uh, going through the series and Come Alive. Let's uh, jump into Ephesians chapter 3. Um, I'm going to break it up into three sections, and... Um, uh, we'll spend some time in each section, and sometimes we'll focus on a couple of particular verses within each of those sections. So uh, I'm going to read Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 through 7 to start. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has been revealed by the Spirit of God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me to the working of his power. Immediately, you may have caught on to the word, which is also the theme for this uh, week is uh, this word mystery, right? Um, Paul repeats this word mystery three times in a matter of uh, seven verses here. He talks about the mystery made known to be by revelation, my insight into the mystery of Christ, which has been made known to people in other nations, and then and this mystery is that through the gospel. So he mentions this three times. So what is this mystery is a good question to start out with. Uh, furthermore, what does this word mystery even mean? So when we think of the word mystery, uh, the idea that comes to our mind is maybe a mystery novels, uh, maybe a murder mystery, or maybe a mystery like a puzzle that just can't be solved. Uh, something that's incomprehensible, something that cannot be figured out, right? Like a mystery 
that you just can't work it out. It's a mystery, kind of like. So those are the ideas that come to my mind, at least, when I think of the word mystery. So the first thought my mind went to when you hear the word mystery is always some kind of a whodunit or something like that, right? Uh, However, the biblical view or the biblical idea of mystery here is far different when in this context, when the word mystery is used, it's uh, talking about something that has been kept hidden for a while and then has been revealed. Uh, Something that was not revealed for a long time and then now has been made known. So that is the idea of mystery here. Uh, Not something that's incomprehensible or not something that can't be understood, just that for some time, this thing was kept hidden or was not revealed. And now it has been made known or it has been revealed. That is this idea of mystery. So what is this thing that has been kept, that was kept hidden for a while that has been made known right now? So what is this mystery in this historic world? I think uh, Paul says it very clearly, right? This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body. The mystery is that we, Gentiles, get to be a part of God's family through Christ Jesus. So that is this mystery that was hidden, but now has been revealed. That we, Gentiles, aka us, right? We get to be a part of God's family through the work that Christ has done. Throughout the Old Testament, uh, the prevailing idea is that uh, Israel is God's people. Um, We get little hints here and there about uh, maybe Gentiles coming in, like we have examples like uh, Ruth, who's a foreigner that comes and becomes a part of God's people, uh, Rahab, who's an outsider who becomes a part of God's people. And we see this because they're part of uh, Jesus's genealogy. Um, so we get little hints and examples of people like this. Um, we get some hints that uh, in the prophetic books, especially Isaiah, that maybe there's a time coming that... Um, the Gentiles will be part of God's family, right? So we get these hints, but it's kind of still hidden. But now through what Christ has done, it has been fully revealed that Gentiles get to be a part of God's family through faith in Christ. We are not like second-class citizens or someone lower on the pole. We are uh, equal in status, uh, joint heirs. Um, so we are same as anyone else uh, to be a part of God's family through our faith in Christ. So um, the first section, that is this that is the mystery, right? The mystery that is was hidden but now has been revealed is that Gentiles, us, we get to be a part of God's family as well. We have the privilege of being a part of God's family as well uh, through our faith in Christ Jesus. Now, Moving on to verses uh, 8 through 13. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, his grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ, to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. So here Paul is saying that uh, so this I'm going to go on a little bit of a caveat because um, I found it very interesting. So he says, I'm 
less than the least of all of the Lord's people, right? This is Paul the Apostle here who is penning this letter uh, while in prison uh, to the group of churches in Ephesus. Um, unlike Colossians where he didn't actually plant those churches when he was writing the letter to Colossae, he actually planted these churches uh, in the city of Ephesus that he's writing to. So it is a probably a circular letter that was probably circulated through many of the small churches in the area of Ephesus. And as he's spending this, he's writing that I am the, I am less than the least of all of the Lord's people. So um, initially we might think that this is a bit of false humility that uh, any good letter writer or anyone with any good penmanship would uh, insert into a letter uh, something like when we say, uh, humbly yours or something when we finish up a letter but it really isn't any kind of false humility for the sake of writing a letter or anything like that it is true humility right i think what paul is saying here by saying he's the least i think he's revealing to us his how that he acknowledges how much he has been saved from right this is paul who used to be called saul who was the tormentor of uh, Christians as the gospel was spreading. He was the one going city to city and persecuting Christians, right? And so this person was taken a hold of by God and given the privilege of actually spreading the message that he was persecuting. Um, so I think this is a true sense of humility we get from Paul because there's, it's almost an acknowledgement of telling us how much he has been saved from when he tells us that he's less than the least. So it is a true humility here that we see from the Apostle Paul. So now moving on to uh, verses 10 and 11. His intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we talked about this mystery. We just did a caveat on Paul and his humility. Uh, now the other question is, why this mystery, right? So this mystery has been revealed. Why has it been revealed? Why this mystery? And so we get a hint of this in uh, verse 10. And it is the intent for this mystery to be revealed is that now through the church, the wisdom of God can be made known to the rulers and authorities um, in the heavenly realms. So the purpose is through the church, the wisdom of God to be made known. This idea of the wisdom of God being made known is not a new idea here. So we're going to jump back in time a little bit. Um, this was also... Uh, the purpose of Israel uh, to make God known uh, to the people around them, right? So the law was given to them uh, so that they could be set apart, and but not set apart to keep people out, but set apart to show people that there is this one true God and to invite people in to know this one true God. So the law was given so that uh, people would know that there's a one true God in Israel and that this would be an invitation uh, for the nations to come. However, uh, what this law ended up being, because 
we are human and pride always seems to find a foothold. Uh, this law, rather than being something that showed God to the nations and invited people in, uh, was used to keep people out. It became more of a cultural marker than anything else that uh, created a division or a barrier between the nation of Israel and everyone else. So they found a sense of identity and cultural pride in this. So rather than the law being something that summoned people in to worship the one true God, it really became a sense of pride to keep people out and show them that uh, they didn't belong. So that's just a caveat about um, how this applied to the Old Testament. So now, again, after what Christ has accomplished, there is the birth of the church with the Gentiles coming in. Now, the church is the avenue through which the wisdom of God is revealed to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. So now it is our responsibility, the church, right, that is showing this wisdom of God. So what does this all mean? I think, so first thing to talk about is um, this idea, right? This mystery has been made known. Uh, Paul was the one that was administering this mystery, meaning he was spreading the gospel, right? And then, so now, uh, with this mystery being made known, with Gentiles coming in, um, there's the birth of this church. Uh, there's a birth of a church uh, that is very probably multi-ethnic, uh, multi-age groups, uh, just looks very different from the surrounding uh, culture. So keep that in the back of uh, your mind. Back to this idea, right? Wisdom of God to be made known to the rulers and authorities. Uh, this phrase, rulers and authorities, works on a couple levels. The first level is just maybe physical rulers and authorities, government, stuff like that. Uh, and the second level, the heavenly realms, it is also talking about the non-physical, unseen forces of evil that are at work in the background. Forces of evil that are influencing and manipulating um, people and powers uh, and rulers and authorities to disrupt everything, to um, undo God's good creation, right? So those are the two different levels. So how is the church making known this wisdom of God to everything? On the first level, as we talk about rulers and authorities, uh, how is the church making this wisdom of God known, right? Uh, the, how are we making known this mystery that's been revealed uh, to these rulers and authorities? So we, the church, uh, by the way we do things, we announce, right? We declare, we show uh, the wisdom of God to the rulers and authorities. And this wisdom of God that we show is that there's this new way to be human. Now, one of the ways that this is shown is by who the church is, by the makeup of the church. So when these young um, churches were being born in Ephesus, um, the makeup of the church was so um, diverse. 
um, there were probably Jews and Gentiles. There were people from different cultures speaking different languages coming in uh, because Ephesus was really a melting pot of cultures. And there were probably people from different uh, status of society, a different uh, economic spheres. There were just a diverse group of people coming in. Uh, people that would have had lines of division that would, that would have kept them separate. But as they put their faith in Christ and became a part of the church, um, those dividing lines were replaced and they disappeared with the one thing that united them and that was their identity in Christ, that was their faith in Christ. So as they were coming in, um, these churches looked so different to everything around them, right? So they showed this new way to be human. Uh, they showed this way where things that would divide people in the past no longer needed to divide them because all of them found the identity in Christ. Uh, so it announced to the people around that there's this new way to be human, uh, that uh, pride and selfishness no longer need to govern your lives, but your lives could be governed by love. So on the level of these physical rulers and authorities, uh, when they saw this happen, it was an announcement. It was a proclamation. It was the wisdom of God being announced. It was that there's a new way to be human because of what Christ has done. Now, there is an, another level too that we talked about. That uh, so one is the physical rulers and also these uh, authorities in heavenly places. These the the non-physical, unseen part, these uh, forces of evil that uh, manipulate, uh, that influence, that uh, grab a hold of people, right? So I think it is a proclamation announcement to them too, that uh, they no longer uh, have a hold or influence on us because uh, we are now part of God's family, that we have put our faith in Christ and what influences what does influence us now is different from these powers and authorities in the heavenly realms so we are no longer under the influence of these forces of evil uh, we are under the influence of the one true god so this wisdom of god being proclaimed on two levels so one to just the people around that hey there is a new way to be human and two to these unseen forces of evil that, hey, you no longer have a hold on us. So that is what, um, so the mystery has been revealed and why this mystery is so that uh, now that Gentiles are part of the church, the church is the one that is showing this wisdom of God to everyone around us, to the rest of the world, to the rulers, and authorities, both the physical ones and the non-physical ones, right? So the church is what is being used to show people this wisdom of God. Now we're going to move on to Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 till probably 19, right? For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit. So hold on to that phrase, with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, 
And I pray that you being rooted and established in love. So hold on to that. Being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now, we talked about the mystery that's been revealed. We've talked about why this mystery and that one that is announcing this wisdom of God, right? We just, we've dwelled on the idea that, we've dwelled on the idea that this, that the church is the one that announces this wisdom of God. So when these churches in Ephesus were initially born, um, it was quite clear to everyone around us, everyone around them, that there was something different happening here because the churches look different from the rest of the culture around. There's something different going on. So that was that announcement of the new way to be human. But now, how do we sustain this announcement when something new is happening and when everyone sees that something different is there, it seems very organic, right? That, hey, something new is happening here. So there is that announcement, propagation going out. But as the church continues to stay a church and as people grow and as years go by, how do you sustain this proclamation? How do you make it an ongoing proclamation that when people look at the church, they know that there is something different. They know that there is this new way to be human that they're not a part of, that there is this new humanity that they're not a part of. How do we sustain that? So I think uh, the answer lies in these two ideas here, right? The power of the spirit in your inner being and uh, this idea of being rooted and established in love, power and love. So the way we can sustain this is because uh, of the power of the Spirit that dwells in us. God's Holy Spirit lives in us. And through that power, we can sustain being a church that um, proclaims um, this new way to be human and also being rooted and grounded, established in love. Love being the guiding principle for everything that we do. So power and love is how God, power through the spirit and being rooted and grounded and established in love is how God is going to sustain us. So we, the church, can continue to announce or proclaim this uh, wisdom of God. Now, I want to bring this um, full circle. And to bring this around full circle, um, I want to jump ahead to... Ephesians chapter 4, and that is uh, verse 26, okay? So Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. So I'll read that again. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Going back to this idea of uh, rulers and authorities and the 
authorities in heavenly places, these forces of evil, right? One of the major ways that they influence and disrupt is uh, with our relationships. It's a, it's with our relation uh, to other people. So this is a major way in which uh, they influence and they disrupt and they cause havoc, right? Keeping that in mind, uh, going back to this, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are so angry and do not give the devil a foothold. <clears throat> so Paul is not naive here. Um, he is well aware that even though we are part of this new humanity, there is going to be difficulty, right? He does not say, do not be angry and do not sin. He quite clearly says, in your anger, do not sin. As in, there will be moments of conflict. There will be moments of anger. Um, there will be moments that someone, that you feel angry because of, someone, because of something someone did. There might be moments that that anger comes in because of something that's said from the pulpit. So Paul is not naive. He's anticipating this difficulty, even though we are part of this uh, new humanity. So and in that, he says, in your anger, do not sin. He says, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, right? So this is, sometimes we take this quite literally and husbands and wives uh, stay up through the night until one is no longer feeling angry or until this situation that caused anger is resolved before they go to sleep. Uh, but technically, if you're staying up all night, the sun has already gone down and you're still angry while you're dealing with this, right? It's not something that's literal like that. What he means is do not let your anger fester. Do not let it uh, linger and grow and fester and cause something because, and because he goes on to say, right? Do not let it linger and do not give the devil a foothold. So coming back to this anger, there will be conflict within the church, right? We are people that are, even though we are part of the new humanity, we are people that sometimes struggle to shed the hold self sometimes. So there will be conflict, right? But how we deal with this conflict will determine how people view us, right? So God has chosen for the church to be the one that is proclaiming his wisdom to the world. And they look at the church and they see something different. And so they see that there's this new humanity at work. Um, many... and. Much of the time in which the people see this new humanity at work is because our relationships within the church are different. The way we relate to people is different. Um, the lines that divide people outside really don't exist here in the church. Even if you look at We Are Zion, we're a young church, but people that are so different from each other are gathered together to worship the one true God. We have people who are single, people who've been married. We have people who are retired. Um, we have people with young children, people, older children. We have people that work in uh, all uh, forms of uh, the professional 
around. So we, very different people, have come together and put aside because we find put aside the things that divided us because we find our identity in Christ and worship the one true God together. So as we do this, we're showing this new humanity, right? And so these relationships are important. Uh, as we mentioned before, the way these forces of evil seek to cause disruption is they always seem to meddle with how we relate to one another. And here, Paul also gives a warning, in your anger, do not sin. So when you get angry, do not sin. Don't let it fester. Don't let it lead to uh, something that causes harm to the community, right? Because he says, don't let the devil get a foothold. So many times our relationships are how the gospel is preached around because our relationships show the people around us that there truly is a new way to look at life. There is a new way to be human. Um, our marriages, right? When we treat our spouse with respect, when we treat our spouse with love, when we are sacrificial towards our spouse, when we are selfless towards our spouse, when we think of our spouse first and it is a relationship of giving, it is very contrary to the culture around us uh, where spouses, no matter what gender you are, may not be treated that way. So that is a way in which we announce or we proclaim the wisdom of God. That is the way in which we announce this mystery that's been revealed to us that uh, we can be part of God's family, that there is this new way to be human. Um, the way we treat our children when undoubtedly our children make mistakes, rather than punishing them, we disciple them and we love them unconditionally, right? So when we treat our children that way, we are proclaiming, proclaiming and showing this new humanity because that's not how the people around us probably treat their children. So our relationships are in the church are a major part of how this wisdom of God is being announced to the world. So how we relate to each other within our community of believers is important because that is how the world sees Rizra. So it is important to deal with things like conflict um, in the right way so that one, these forces of evil uh, don't gain a foothold and use conflict to um, take away what uh, God is doing in building this community, this new way to be human. Um, and also, these are the areas, because our relationships are so pivotal to the gospel being proclaimed, these are also the areas that will be attacked, uh, that will uh, be disrupted maybe by these unseen forces of evil that are at work, right? So I guess what I want to come around to is that the way we relate to people, the way we relate to each other in church, the way we relate to our families 
is pivotal in the fact on how this wisdom of God is being announced to the rest of the world. So when there is anger, when there is conflict, we have a responsibility to be brave and uh, do the hard thing and step up and resolve these conflicts. Uh, we have a responsibility to, if you feel like you've been wronged or someone has caused feelings of anger to come up in you, we have a responsibility to sit down and actually be this new humanity where we can sit down and talk. And while we resolve this conflict, peace and love would reign. And as a result, peace would reign in our church community and that the world will continue to see that this truly is a new way to be human, that this just wasn't a flash in the pan or a drop in the bucket. But there are people that are living in this new way. There are people that have set aside their pride and selfishness and have found their identity in Christ and are living in this new humanity. But the only way that we can sustain that is if we give importance to our relationships and that we are, uh, are understanding that there's always these forces trying to get a foothold in our relationships and to disrupt them and distort them and to twist them so that uh, they may no longer look like this new humanity or this new way to be human. Um, so I think this come alive to the mystery is really is a come alive to the gospel. Uh, it is a come alive to this fact that the church is what is used to announce this uh, wisdom of God, this mystery, right? That uh, everyone can be a part of God's family now through faith in Christ. And whether we like it or not, the way this is announced is by who we are as a church, by how we relate to each other. Uh, so let's announce that there truly is this new way to be human. There truly is love, power that's available for us, it, that is rooted in love, that we can be this new humanity where we can relate to each other uh, without pride or without selfishness, where we can truly put the other person first. It's this message, even though we are focused on resolving conflict when they come up, it is really just a part of this big picture, right? Of this new humanity where putting the other person first, compassion, kindness, um, selflessness, all these things are what make up this new picture of humanity and all within this overarching uh, power of love. So the mystery was revealed that Gentiles can be a part of God's family through Christ. And uh, why was this mystery revealed? So that uh, the church could be the one that announces uh, this wisdom of God. And uh, we announce this wisdom of God by who we are as a church, by um, how we relate to each other.
right? And how do we sustain this? Uh, we sustain this um, through the power of the Spirit that lives in us and um, through the fact that we are rooted and grounded in love. And why does this need to be sustained? It's because it's through the way we relate to people within the church and our families and our children and everyone else that this proclamation of this new humanity, the proclamation of the gospel goes out. So uh, I'm going to end with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you have called us into this new humanity, Lord, that because of what you did, we are part of this new humanity, that we have been shown this uh, new way to be truly human, Lord, that uh, we can set aside our pride, we can set aside our selfishness, we can set aside every uh, self-serving desire, and we can put on our new selves and be selfless and be compassionate to the person that's next to us and be focused on the other person and not focus on us, Lord. Thank you that you've given us your spirit so we could do this. Thank you that you have rooted us um, in your love, in your immense love for us so that we can uh, do this in the power of that love, Lord. Father, we ask that you would remind us of how important our relationships are, Lord, that you would remind us that you care deeply about our relationships and how we relate to other people. And Father, that uh, when anger creeps in, that you would give us the strength and the courage uh, to resolve those conflicts, Lord, uh, so that uh, we can continue to be healthy and that peace can reign in our community, Lord, and that through that people will see and know that uh, you are good that uh, you are the one true God, that the only reason this new humanity, this new way, this new way to this new way to be human is possible is because you are the one orchestrating it and you are the one in control. So Father, we thank you for giving us the privilege to come and worship you. Thank you for giving us the privilege to come and read and learn from your word. And uh, thank you for giving us this privilege of being a part of this family. So thank you for that mystery that has been revealed to us that we can be a part of your family, Lord. Father, we ask that uh, you would be with everyone this week, that uh, you would lead them and that you would guide them, that uh, you would go before them, Lord, and that uh, they would see you at work in their lives. Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. May the love of the Father the grace of his son jesus christ and the fellowship of the holy spirit be with you the church go out in the power of the gospel and i hope you have a wonderful week ahead thank you we hope you enjoyed today's message and were blessed if you like what you heard and want to hear more messages from us you could rate us and subscribe to our podcast channel for more content from We Are Zion, or if you would like to get in touch with us, you can go to wearezion.in or follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Most importantly, remember that whoever finds Jesus finds life.